tap into the psychology of engagement and more. This is where we talk about life, learning, and everything in between. This is the Lifelong Podcast, a show for those of you who love to ask why. Because we're marketers. It's because we're coaches. It's because we're change makers. Each week, we dive into the big questions and explore the psychology of engagement with strategies, tactics, and special guests along the way. Now, here's your guide, the visibility hacking queen herself, Coach Molly. Hey, visibility hackers, and welcome back to this episode of the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from visibilityhacking.com, and as usual, it's an absolute pleasure to have you guys here with me. Today, we're talking about blended learning. We're going to go over a whole bunch of different ways that blended learning can take place and can take place in your programs. So if you're a coach, if you're a consultant, if you're in any way uh, marketing your services to help people achieve a tangible result, well, you need to listen to this episode for sure. This season of the Lifelong Podcast, we're talking about the psychology of engagement psychology for marketers. We're blending it with the psychology of learning so that you guys can get those tangible results for your people. You can help them achieve those great successes quicker and faster and with more mm, with more actual confidence um, than your competitors out there. So how about we jump into a variety of different ways that blended learning can take place. In order for blended learning to really be impactful, we need to have three different parts um, to this triangle. And that first one is making sure that our activities are integrated into our program. So that means we're looking at using a bunch of different tools and strategies and locations and techniques to get those activities integrated into our students' brains. So we're talking about blending our, um, our tools that we're actually using. The next part of the triad that we need is to also blend our locations. So in a traditional blended learning classroom setting, we would have part of the learning happening online where the students can do that at home on their own and we'd have part of the learning that would take place in a classroom face to face. So when you're designing your digital programs, how are you going to navigate the the ne- the necessity and the requirement for that blended location. The way that you can do this is by having your students pick that secondary location. The first location of the program is going to be online. You are delivering a digital program. But that second location can be up to the student where you're not necessarily having that that happen um, face to face, but you could have it in a small group Zoom room. That's a different learning modality, a different place. You can also have students pick places and projects that are interesting to their lives um, in their communities, in their families, for example, um, and use those as parts of your projects. That way they're blending that location as well. 
And the third part of this triad is to look at opportunities where we can blend the things that students are learning with the actual tangible result, with the work that they are going to be doing in the end. So this is why I love project-based learning, because you're bringing in a project, you're working through all the different questions and problems um, that you that would come through that entire project, and you're looking at each of the individual skills. When we're looking at integrating what we're learning with how we're going to use that skill moving forward, we're not only able to get them the tangible results in the first place, like congratulations, you've done this project, but they also understand the why so that they can apply that moving forward so that it becomes an actual skill that they can market, an actual skill that they're able to fulfill on for their clients as well. So let's talk about different types of blended learning. Some of the, these are all from traditional classroom settings, but we're going to discuss how we as digital marketers and digital course creators can get these, can really still fit into this blending learning model. So the first example is outside-in learning, which I love. It's the idea that we're taking questions and problems from the outside world, from our students' real lives, from their businesses, from their, their work environments, from their families, from their experiences, and we're bringing those into the classroom, and we're able to then work on relevant projects and relevant information um, and they're able to learn through the problems and projects that are relevant to their own lives before they start the program. The second idea is supplements um, and supplemental information. So we can use this by having our traditional course e example. Say you host your, your, um, your course on ClickFunnels and you have all these different lessons and you teach all of these different um, video components and look at supplemental information by adding in um, some added text resources, maybe an audio file resource, maybe a video resource that's from someone um, entirely different looking at the problem from a different perspective. Maybe you're able to add those additional resources that are going to fill out out, um, for your students full understanding of what they are what they're actually learning supplements are the easiest way to break into this blended learning model the next one is inside out so it's the opposite of what we talked about earlier where we're starting with our students problems on the outside the the challenges um, and and projects that they're bringing from outside of the classroom space into the classroom inside out is starting with a project um, that is created inside the classroom environment I love doing this in small group coaching spaces where all of us together, my 10 or 15 students all together are going to work through a hypothetical problem or a community-based project. We're creating something together. And it's through that experience that, they're that the students are able to gain those skills and that knowledge and share that with the world. Another great example that I've seen recently of of this in a in a different way is Tanner Jones and his um, Over the Shoulder Academy, where he's going through a process, he's working through a project, um, and his students are able to see him and and interact with him as he goes through that process. So the students are able to learn from this classroom based model 
Yes, it's a real life example, but it's happening. The learning is happening within the confines of that particular project. Um, and then they're able to create those tan tangential connections um, to what the students are currently working on um, as well. So it becomes relevant to the students lived experience. Brilliant example. The next idea is flex. And really, I want everyone to make sure that they are building flexibility into their programs. When we are thinking solely in the idea of this is our outline, this is our program structure, we're going to create it, we're going to set it, and then we're going to walk away and forget it. Um, that is the easiest way to create a program that's just going to die. If you don't continuously nurture that environment and allow for that flexibility where each cohort of your students is creating a slightly new, um, a new rendition of that same program that's where you're going to see your your program not just your students but your program will begin to thrive each uh, it's because we're actually giving our students something that's absolutely essential to their success and that is this feeling of autonomy the existence of autonomy we want our students to be able to take control and have a hand in shaping their experience and if we do that in the most impactful way we can we're actually allowing a space for our programs to grow and to change it's, it's not just listening to feedback, it's listening to feedback and, abs and actually implementing the things that are going to create a better, a better experience for your current students and for future students. It's amazing, but you have to actually have that as a part of your project. Yeah, you need to actually think about, do I have flexibility here? Are the systems and automations behind the scenes actually allowing me <sighs> to have that breathing room and to have that flexibility for my students. The next kind of blended learning, um, the next group of them are very, are, are fantastic when you're trying to give students a variety of different skills um, and, and you just need to, it doesn't matter the order, right? They just need to go through the process. So the lab rotation is the idea that we're going to go through and experience these different parts of the project um, at different stations. So for a set amount of time, we're going to work on this, and then we're going to move to this next um, rotation. Connected to that is station rotation. So station rotation is, is the basic. We all have these different stations we need to go to. We need to experience different parts of the project. So when I design uh, project-based learning for my coaching students, when it comes to designing their live streaming programs, we're going to be looking at each of the different important aspects of that experience from traffic strategies to nurturing strategies to our actual tech strategies to our graphic strategies, etc., etc. We're going to be looking at all of those different areas and the way that my course is designed is based on this station rotation that our students are going through different, different parts. When we go into a, the lab rotation is when we add in an element of those stations to be actually doing the thing. Not just learning, not just reading, but we're actually doing the thing. We're actually testing it out. So in this case, in, in, in the case of Live Academy, my program, when our students are actually doing their live streams, when they're actually integrating the skill that they just learned, and we do this by offering different badges, 
as you go through you as you go through the program you learn a little something then you get reach a challenge where you actually have to implement it and when you implement it successfully you get a reward for that before you can move on to the next one it's based on the theory of lab rotations so we also want to look at individual rotations because some students move quicker through programs than others. So when you're bringing on your cohort of students, are you allowing them to go through your program at their own pace or are you expecting them to stick to a particular schedule? I find that we need to find a balance between those two because yes, having that schedule is fantastic. It allows our students um, the accountability and that structure that a lot of people will need to stay on track. And it also helps with the overwhelm. When you step into a new skill, you're like, oh my goodness, there's so much that I have to learn. And now there's this expectation that you want to learn it as fast as you can. That can lead to burnout and that can lead to overwhelm. So when you have a structure and you say, you're going to learn all of this, but we're going to learn it in baby steps over this period of time, that can be really comforting for some people. On the other hand, if you are like me, I like to move through things a little bit faster sometimes. I like to work with my own schedule. So if one day or if one week I'm having trouble sleeping and I just want to work on whatever this program is for the next, you know, five nights, then I can I can really binge stuff because the next week I'm super busy with client calls so I won't be able to get to it. Having that flexibility allows for your students, again, to have that kind of autonomy where they're part of the program and they're setting their own destiny. So think about where you are in that balance with your program. We also want to look at self-directed programs. I'm going to talk a lot more about this in an entire episode of the Lifelong Podcast. So definitely stay tuned for that one. We'll talk a ton more. But self-directed is the idea that your students are motivated in themselves before, um, before anything else. The biggest factor is self-motivation um, and they are willing to go down and discover and go through that exploratory process on their their own without necessarily having to have a formal structure to follow. Also, we will talk about my favorite type of learning, which is project-based learning. Um, we're going to also do an entire episode of that. So definitely make sure that you are subscribed to the Lifelong Podcast on all of your favorite podcast platforms, as well as in video format on our YouTube page, because you're going to want to know everything there is to know about project-based learning. It's absolutely transformative when it comes to adult learners. We can also talk about remote learning, but we don't need to too much because that's the traditional idea of running a digital course. The idea that the, the teacher is going to go and create all of the outlines, create all of the content, um, and the student is going to be able to consume that, that content um, on their own time in a remote setting. Remote learning is so important, but there are things that you need to understand about remote learning and its limitations. We want that connection between humans and we need that connection between the individual student and the wider community. This is important not only because it's going to give your students, uh, it is going to anchor your students to a bigger cause, so that it, it actually will expand their thinking through solutions. And it's also going to connect your, your students to the people 
and the spaces around them. It will actually allow them to tap into their own superpowers um, and help out and make the world a, a better place. And it, it, we have to think about community when we do that. So we need to not think about our students as isolated in their own little space, just a, as, a, as a flesh and blood human in front of a computer terminal. We need to think about how can we build into our programs a space for us to understand that community aspect of where our students are. When I started thinking about this while I was designing programs, it was absolutely incredible because we designed a program that was able to reach um, people in northern Canada in these incredibly remote communities. And it was through understanding what their uh, what their community reality was, um, where we were able to understand that we were working on incredibly remote um, native reserves. We were working with people who had crazy weather around them, which limited their tech, their access to the technology, which changed the way that we delivered content because we couldn't, we, we thought as, as program designers that the best way to deliver our content was through these really rich videos. But the reality when we started talking to our community members, our students, was that High-res video was not a great option for them because when it got way too cold, when the snow got way too high, when the winds blew way too much, their internet connection wouldn't be able to actually handle that. And so they ended up missing parts of the program. And it was only because we actually listened and we actually asked them about what that reality looks like. We were able to connect with these students and get them to be integrated into their communities around them so that the project projects we worked on in that classroom, in that program, actually ended up benefiting people's lives. It wasn't just work for the sake of learning something, it was work for the sake of changing our communities and we just happened to actually learn something through that process. That's how we change the world. But we need to think a little bit bigger. We also can think about uh, the flipped classroom, which is something I hope that more people will take on as a learning theory. The flipped classroom is the idea that we as teachers or coaches are able to impart so much confidence and knowledge into our students that they are then able to teach us or to teach others the content that they just learned. It's when we are able to do that, to learn, to do, and then to teach, that we're able to fill out those parts of the process that, the, that we may not have thought about while we were learning the skill. We're able to create a better understanding and a better process and a better flow of information when we tap into that space of teaching someone else. So in your programs, are you creating spaces for students to teach other people about what they are learning? In Live Academy, I love to encourage my students to go live on their shows and talk about the process that they're learning. Talk about what it is they're doing um, so that they can teach other people because it's when they do that, when they're able to go through the process of thinking, how do I teach someone this? How do I break down this skill? How do I answer those questions? How do I explain this? That is when you know that they have truly mastered that or they're on the way to mastering that skill. 
and I say that specifically because the next um, the next type of blended learning is mastery and the understanding that once you practice, 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 you're going to fumble, you're going to mess up, but eventually you will get to a point where something that was once really, really difficult suddenly becomes easy. And that is when you step into the space of mastery. Mastery doesn't just happen, or let me explain this. So I, for many, many years, have worked in recreation and teaching um, young kids and adults new skills and helping them uh, live really healthy lives by staying active. And we know that if we want an adult to be active, we need to address it first when they are children and we need to teach them the fundamental skills of movement, like kicking a ball or, or throwing something or sliding on the ice. These are running, skipping, jumping. These are fundamental building blocks of all movement that we can do from dance to basketball, from being um, an Olympic athlete to just casually snowshoeing just to enjoy the environment. It's those fundamental skills that we need to have. So one of the underlying principles um, that that really underlies everything in the recreation world when we're teaching these kinds of skills to kids is the idea of mastery. We as coaches and as teachers and as instructors need to make sure that we are building programs that that create that space for our students to master a skill. And that means we're working on basketball drills constantly, but we're not just going to work on on our layups. We need to also look at all of the other skills that are related to that same sport. We need to practice our layups, but we need to also practice our dribbling. We need to practice our passing. We need to practice our communication between our team. We need to practice our footwork. All of those different skills will help us when we work on all of them and we drill down into each of them specifically. Once we have done that, we can step back and play a game. And eventually, if we repeat this process enough, we will reach a space in which we have mastered those skills. That layup becomes super easy because we have mastered our footwork, we've mastered our jumping, we've mastered our dribbling, we've mastered the communication and the passing with our team members. Mastery is a wonderful space, but I'm saying it at the end of this presentation because I need you guys to understand that mastery doesn't come easy. It comes from creating more experiences for our students to work through and process through the, the what we're teaching them and the skills that they're working on. So if you incorporate more blended learning into your programs, you're going to be creating those opportunities for them. Think outside the box. Think about creating ways to integrate our activities. Use different parts of our brains. Look at ways to integrate parts of space and change up the atmosphere and change up that location where this learning is happening so that we can broaden the idea and our students can start to see that every experience in their lives can be connected to what you're teaching them. And you also need to understand that we need to integrate not only the finite skills that they're working, we need to ju not just focus on dribbling, we also need to play a game once in a while. We need to look for that connection of how the individual skills that we're teaching will get them those tangible results repeatedly. 
We need to not just teach our people how to crawl. We need to teach them how to run. And with that, my friends, I will leave you at the end of this episode. (laughs) So thank you guys so much for joining me for this episode of the Lifelong Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Molly from visibilityhacking.com. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will see you in our next episode. Make sure that you have subscribed because we're coming down with some pretty awesome um, learning learning modes, learning ideas, um, and engagement techniques solely rooted in psychology, from learning psychology to engagement psychology and so much more. So make sure you're subscribed. And if you have a friend who you think would benefit from what we're putting down in this podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it if you shared this with them. The more people listening, um, the more people we're going to have on our team to change the world, change the way we do business. And with that, remember I love you and be excellent to each other.